the ubiquitous convenience store. I can close my eyes and see it now. Hot dogs grilling on metal rollers, coffee of an uncertain age, beef jerky, nachos, you guys get the idea. It's a concept in need of a reboot. And my guest today has done just that. On this episode, Mike Lavatola, CEO and co-founder of Foxtrot, which is a new kind of corner store. Live from Las Vegas, it's where we buy. That's right, you're listening to Where We Buy, the show about the things we buy and the places we buy them. We're recording live in front of a studio audience at the Las Vegas Convention Center. We're on the stage at Recon, which is the world's largest gathering of retail real estate people. My name is James Cook. I research retail and real estate for JLL. Where We Buy is a show where we talk with retail experts and visit shopping spots across the nation. All right, today, Mike Lavitola, Foxtrot. It's a new kind of corner store. Tell me what that means. Uh, it means it's hopefully a lot uh, more friendly and uh, fun place than, uh, than the old corner store. So um, our shops are, you know, about 3,000 square feet. And, you know, you walk in, you're greeted by hopefully, you know, freshly brewed coffee, friendly employees, great music, um, and a warm sort of welcoming uh, environment. So, of course, you can do the traditional grab-and-go shopping like at a normal corner store. So quick meals and ice cream and craft beer and wine, um, but in a much more, you know, hopefully elevated and hospitable way. What's it? What's sort of the look and feel like I'm walking in? All your locations are in Chicago right now anyway. That's right. right. Um, we'll talk more about growth plans in a second. So walking into my local Foxtrot, uh, what is uh, the feel? Does it feel like I'm in a cafe or is it more of a corner store feel or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, uh, cafe is a great way to put it. So you walk into the first thing you're, you're greeted by is our, you know, sort of uh, full service coffee shop. So we've got the baristas in there who know your order. Um, and are kind of uh, working away on that. And then to the left of those, we've got plenty of seating. So, you know, great place to have a morning breakfast taco or a morning meeting. And then sort of in the back is where all the, you know, more traditional grab and go shopping is happening. I checked, I have not been to Foxtrot yet, but I checked it out on Yelp. And kind of the big takeaway I found was that it was very, a highly curated experience. Um, do, is that something that you're going for, you think? Yeah. So when we think about the corner store, it's got to be a place that you feel comfortable going every day, right? So we make sure to have, you know, milk and eggs and Bud Light and just kind of all the, all the um, essentials. But we take those, you know, product categories and try to find the best of each one. So introducing you to a new kind of wine or a great local ice cream or, you know, if someone's got an amazing donut um, in town. So it's, it's really the same product categories that you would find at any corner store, but hopefully uh, a much more interesting take on those. And so the product mix ends up being, uh, you know, sort of your old favorites that you can uh, depend on us for. But then hopefully you're, you know, finding something new and interesting every time you uh, check back. Do you guys carry beef jerky? We do carry beef jerky. Okay, you got it. And we have to. Oh, I yeah. Mean, there's some universal All law. kinds, yeah. <laughs> um, so I looked on your website. Locations are in places in Chicago like Wicker Park, West Loop, kind of the hipper places. Is that where, you know, as you expand outside of that, is that always the kind of neighborhood that you think is your sweet spot? Yeah. So, you know, we, we started with locations around downtown Chicago and specifically in residential neighborhoods. So our first four or five locations were all kind of on, you know, the 
high streets of various neighborhoods around Chicago. Um, and it's because, you know, we we really did want to be uh, part of the community for, you know, without sounding too, uh, you know, highfalutin. Um, but, you know, the old corner stores were sort of those centers, right? And it's a place you would go to buy your everyday goods. Um, and we thought that that, uh, that would resonate really well in residential neighborhoods. Our most recent locations have been um, in increasingly like dense um, like office populations. Um, and as we think about sort of expanding across the city, they'll, they'll definitely be living in both. You started in Chicago. Most of your loca- all of your locations, existing locations are in Chicago. I saw you're expanding to Dallas. Uh, what was the um, impetus for Dallas as the next place to go? Because Dallas is quite a bit different than Chicago. Sure. And we started off in Chicago, but we actually started off just online only in Chicago. So for the first two years of the business, um, we had no, no storefronts and solely ex- existed online. So, you know, taking that great sort of elevated corner store mix and delivering everything in under an hour. Um, and after operating the business like that for about two years, uh, we realized that the retail side of this was, you know, um, every bit as big as the online side. And there was no one really doing anything interesting with these, you know, corner stores or convenience stores. They're typically like the saddest kind of, you know, retail uses in the neighborhood, which just didn't make a lot of sense to us. Um, so we've built up the retail footprint in Chicago. And now the business is about 50% online, 50% retail, but all the online orders are actually coming from those retail shops. So, Dallas is an interesting market for us. Um, my co-founder Taylor is from Dallas. I spent a lot of time living in Texas. And so we really wanted to find a market that we knew really, really well, because one of the reasons this sort of took off in Chicago was having a great local product mix. So knowing what the great craft beer was and partnering with the right local coffee roaster and finding those sort of, you know, niche great products that uh, we could bring to life. And we felt really confident about doing that uh, in a market that we knew well. So, okay, that's interesting. I want to go back to that idea of 50-50 delivery versus in-store. Yeah. How are you... So you're fulfilling your delivery orders from the same location as the in-store orders? Exactly, yeah. So when you walk in the stores, it doesn't feel like a warehouse. It should hopefully feel like a really comfy, cozy, neighborhoody, you know, um, place that you want to hang out. But sort of under the surface, it is our fulfillment centers for uh, the online business. So... Um, and, you know, at, at the point of sale, we're encouraging everyone to transact on our mobile app. And then we, we sort of build a profile up from both your online and uh, in-store purchases. I would imagine that the in-store purchases are going to skew more towards like, I don't know, coffee or treats. And then the, the delivery is more about daily needs stuff. Is that what you're finding? That's exactly right. So in-store, tons of coffee, tons of grab-and-go meals um, and, you know, a few like the beef jerky, right? Like a few quick things that uh, you forgot. And delivery is all about wine and ice cream and cookies and all that kind of fun stuff. So really, you know, everything that's not your nightly meal kind of comes down to us. And you guys, you have your own app, so you're not using third-party delivery services. Is that's that right? right. Yeah. What kind of? And that was just a decision to save money or to control the brand. Um, originally, it was a decision to control the brand. So we, we had a really interesting product mix, and we wanted to make sure that the shopping experience got that across. So you know, when we're picking wines or beer, we want to tell the story behind why we picked those. Um, when it came to delivery, we certainly tried out the third-party apps. And what we found was, 
the experience is pretty inconsistent and honestly pretty expensive. Um, and so for us, we have a really predictable demand pattern of these deliveries coming from our store. And so as they come in, we're able to batch them really efficiently and get them out the door. And so what we have in the end is a model that's cheaper for us, but um, with a much higher quality of courier because they're only working for us, right? So they know our staff and they know our customers and uh, it's a really integrated sort of branded end-to-end experience. It seems like your model is to uh, be very localized, feel like that local store that's really connected with the neighborhood. As you're scaling up, you know, you're in two cities. Now, you know, let's say you're in four or five cities. How can you not become cookie cutter? How can you maintain that local connection in every neighborhood. Yeah, that's the, that's the key, right? So for us, I mean, it, it's, it's really our employees and the product. So as we go into new markets, like Dallas, you know, is a great example. We spent a lot of time, um, you know, meeting with, with local makers and producers to have those elements of the many that feel really, really local because they are. Um, and then it all comes down to our store managers and employees, right? So they sort of know what's best for the neighborhood. They're the ones who are creating that, that a sense of community in the stores, planning the right events, um, and really making it a special place. So you mentioned events. So you do in-store events? We do a pretty crazy variety of events. It, uh, consistently shocks me what our team comes up with. All right. Give me some examples here, like, uh, in-store yoga yeah, in store yoga. Uh, so, um, you know, we do obvious ones like beer tastings and wine tastings. Um, we did, we, you know, in Chicago, we're doing these events with Outdoor Voices, which is a great activewear brand where we're, um, you know, doing pop-up shops in the store and then taking everyone out for a jog. Uh, we are doing terrarium building classes uh, with our uh, florist and we're doing painting classes with coffee beans and just all kinds of like fun things that, you know, kind of get people out of the house and um, get, get them to, you know, play with their products a little bit more. How big did you say your stores are? Like square feet? They're around 3,000. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you've got like a, a programming team. Yes. Uh, you know, and that, that was sort of one of those things where we didn't plan initially, right? The stores initially were just distribution centers for the online business. And as we've gotten deeper into retail and gotten better locations, um, it's been really interesting to see those stores activated. And as they become more activated and busier, we you know want to make it a better, better experience. It seems to me you're one of the rare uh, retailers I've talked to lately that's really keyed into both major trends. One is around convenience and delivery, and the other is around in-store experience. And most retailers are getting one of those right. But it's, now I haven't been to your store yet. I will be the next time I'm in Chicago. But it sounds like you we'll guys are getting them both right. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's hard and it's a slower build because um, you can't just tack on you know a delivery service to an existing retailer or vice versa. But I think because we were born online and you know had a few years to figure out the retail side of things, it's it's really married pretty nicely. And from a customer perspective, it's all the same, right? Like they don't view. Foxtrot Delivery Service or Foxtrot Market, it's just one brand. Um, and so we do a lot of work to making that experience feel really consistent. Why do you think it is that the convenience store world uh, is ready to, to be disrupted? What do you think the, the real opportunity is? It's just so big and there's no one doing, you know, that much... Din- interesting in it. And I think it's because a lot of it's been franchised or a lot of it is dependent on these, you know, 
super rigid supply chains. And, you know, when you go into our stores, like we have 75 vendors for 700 products. It's a lot of vendors. So we're working with all the big national distributors, but we're also finding, you know, the grandma in town who makes the best local cookies. Um, and so a lot of the technology that we've written on the back end is for sourcing those products or store managers um, are not spending time you know, placing 75 orders a week with, with all these vendors, but that's sort of happening in the background so that they can spend all their time focused on the customer experience. Gotcha. I saw, I mentioned I was on Yelp digging around and one, one reviewer described Foxtrot as an upscale 7-Eleven. Um, another one said how much they love the wine collection you guys put together. That sounds to me like a very specific, younger, yet still well-heeled shopper. You know, somebody who's got a little bit of money to buy expensive wines. Do you feel that's going to limit your expansion and growth in the future where you've got to go to more upscale neighborhoods in order to be successful? Yeah. So we spend a lot of time to not be this super bougie, super gourmet-y kind of market, right? So if you come in... Like I said, we'll sell you Bud Light at the same price everyone else does. Our coffee is amazing and costs the same as Starbucks. So it's certainly nice premium products. Um, but those everyday basics are there and priced really, really well. So, you know, some of our best wine is, you know, $8 bottles of, uh, you know, cap. So we do sort of cater to all, um, all use cases. But if you do want to find something really cool and unique and special, we have those two and those are going to cost a little bit more. So the merchandising mix for us is making sure that the basics are there and priced so that you're comfortable coming in every day. But when you want to find something new, we can help you with that too. Can you talk, um, as far as expansion, like, do you have numbers of like new locations that you want to open numbers of new markets? Sure. So the announced ones are, you know, we have another, we just opened one in Chicago a month ago. We've got two more coming this year there. We have two coming in Dallas this year, um, and we've got another probably 12 to 15 in the pipeline over the next year. So some in Chicago, some in Dallas, and some in other cities. Gotcha. So you talk about this kind of there's this virtuous cycle between the in-store sales and the delivery, and you know maybe the store is marketing for the delivery and vice versa. Uh, it sounds perfect, um, and I can't believe other you know, other retail sectors aren't doing similar things. Do you think that outside of your sector, if there's other retail sectors that could do a similar thing and be successful, or is it because it's a convenience store that it's it, not, you know, it wouldn't be successful in other sectors? I think you need something with a lot of frequency, um, which is why it sort of worked well for us. Um, you know, if you're like a soft goods retailer and someone's transacting with you, you know, once a month or once every two months, it's a little harder to do this kind of thing. But, you know, fast casuals like Sweetgreen do a fantastic job of this, right? So they're, I don't, don't know how often their customers are transacting, but I assume it's quite often. Um, a lot of them are popping into the store or they order on the app, but it all sort of feels very consistent. Um, and I think the frequency is really the, the, the key to make the model work which is why the, our stores are so focused on coffee, because if we become your favorite local coffee shop, you know, there's nothing more consistent than that. What are some of the um, favorite, like what's your favorite local item that you guys carry that might, that's unique to Foxtrot? I feel like I'm going to upset people. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to start a battle. I love Carol's cookies. Okay. They're amazing. Uh, it's a local maker that's out in the suburbs and she just has these like crazy decadent, indulgent, uh, gigantic chalk chip cookies. So that is my personal favorite. And I think it's been on the menu. You know, we, we rotate the menu like constantly, like, you know, using the data from our 
online and in store, and that's been on since day one and is going nowhere. So that that would be it for me. Okay, interesting. Um, and you mentioned data. Um, do you have somebody whose sole job it is to analyze sales and do analytics around that? Yeah. So our merchandising team. I mean, that's what they're doing all day long, right? So part of it is like taste. You know, certainly. So having working with the right brands and. Um, reflecting ourselves in the right way, but a lot of it is just analyzing data. So if, if we're seeing, you know, something spiking online and it's not spiking in store, we can switch up the merchandising mix or vice versa. Um, but yeah, we're we're you know constantly in that stuff. Any new food trends I should be aware of? Anything that's hitting right now? I don't know how hidden it is, but anything CBD is just anything flying, CBD flying, flying off yeah. the shelves. We, we have it in lattes. We have it in pens. We have it in gummies. All kinds of fun stuff. So. What's the CBD premium? Let's say I add CBD to my latte. How much extra is that? I think it's like two bucks. Okay. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's a we've good got it in, in slushies. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's all kinds of ways. Okay. Interesting. So, um, CBD flying off the shelves. Um, let's think a little bit about maybe 10, 15 years in the future. Um, you know, in, in the industry, in your industry, which is, ostensibly convenience stores, although you guys are a little different. What's what's going to be changing in that larger industry? Are they going to be shifting more towards what you guys are doing or something else? I think it can't stay the way it is. I mean, even if you go to the most beautiful high streets around the country, like the convenience store that's there is just, I mean, it's either super depressing or like a really, really great local operator who they've got, you know, kind of one or two of them and they're fantastic. And I think those will always exist and those are what inspire us. Like they're great. But for the big national chains, they, it, something needs to change. And I think, um, you know, us and other people who get into this will hopefully be making it a much, uh, much more fun place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, I'm really looking forward to uh, visiting Foxtrot. Uh, I live not too far from Chicago, so I'll, I'll make it up there fairly soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having me. For our listeners out there, if you've got a comment on today's show, you can leave a message on the Where We Buy hotline, and we'll use it in an upcoming show. Give us a call at 602-633-4061. Be sure to tell us your name and where you're calling from. To hear more interviews, audio retail tours, and new research insights, you can subscribe to Where We Buy on the iPhone podcast app on Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Or you can go to wherewebuy.show. And a special thank you to ICSC that made this live podcast possible. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And I think we've got something coming up.